Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's up? Welcome to Off the Bench, Danny Cannell. You have your high up. Technical difficulties here. You're you're, you're okay. Yeah, I can barely hear. I don't know what's going on. So if you're watching us or you're listening to the podcast, you have no idea what we're talking about. We have these IFBs, these little uh, things in our ears, so we can hear the control room. And sometimes they work really well, perfectly. You can hear them. Other times you don't. So we could hardly hear them. Then all of a sudden you jacked it up. So I heard it like You can hear through mine. Yeah, both of us. there. So uh, yeah, so we'll make sure we get that taken care of. Um, Let's start off with a little Ben Roethlisberger because he was making some waves in the last couple days. And I don't love what he's doing. Right. I think he's in the wrong here. So it all started when he was on his weekly uh, interview show with the radio station there in Pittsburgh, and he was talking about their loss in Denver. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember the game, came down to the wire, they're driving, look like they're going to score a touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger throws one of the worst interceptions. Looks like it, right, on tape. Like right. you're saying, man, how did he throw that? They were yeah. on the two-yard line going in, could have scored. Two people could have picked that ball off. Two people could have picked that ball off. Yeah. So he did not. Well, during his radio interview – he said, well, you know what? Antonio Brown's route wasn't the best route. Mm. He said, quote, I told him you have to come in flat. You can't drift in the end zone. So he was talking about that. Right. Kind of threw Antonio Brown under the bus. Then he was talking about the play calling from uh, their offensive coordinator. Said on the final drive, I, th- I think we should have went to Juju Smith-Schuster four straight plays. Yeah, so he's calling out the play caller. Yeah. And then not to be lost in it, <laughs> rookie wide receiver James Washington. So this guy's a young guy trying to make plays. There was a play earlier in the game. Where it was a double move. He was open. Right. Wide open. Ben, I thought, threw him a little bit too far. Like it's if he's it's like a layup in basketball. Like right. make sure it goes in. Yep. I thought Ben tried to make the perfect throw. James Washington extends, jumps in the air, comes down. When he hits the ground, ball comes out. Like he was making this diving spectacular catch. Well, yeah. Ben had a critique of his, said, um, you have to run through the ball. I don't know what he was thinking on that. And then he said, You're not going to be out there if you're not going to make those plays for us. Talking about James Washington. Like, so he's throwing multiple people under the bus. Yeah. So it gets out there. The Pittsburgh media hears it. So they ask him yesterday, What, you know, is it what's okay? the deal with like, that? What yeah, what's doing? going on? Ben said, quote, being around for a long time with a lot of different players, you have to know how to motivate different guys in different ways. I think that's part of being a leader, being a captain, just understanding players. Sometimes you just grab them off to the side and sometimes you have to be honest with them. And uh, basically said he earned the right to be critical of them. And then they were asked, like, what do you think your teammates feel about it when you're asked publicly, when you, when you criticize them publicly? And he said, go ask them. I have no idea to the media. So he got a little prickly with the media. Um, look, do I think Ben Roethlisberger has earned the right um, to hold people on his team accountable for mistakes that are made. Yeah, I do. I mean, he's, he's got, you know, enough of a track record there. He's the face of their franchise. He's the quarterback. He's, he's got Super Bowls, right? Like you, yeah, he's earned the right. Do you do it publicly like that? Um, and put everybody on blast categorically for what they did wrong and not acknowledge that you made the big mistake? No, I don't believe you do that. And that's always the fundamental thing. With me and athletes that play team sports, when they get into criticizing their team and their performance, you must include yourself. Start with yourself. Yes. And then that message to whoever it is you're trying to get that message out to is well, is much easier received, right? But when you're just lobbing, you know, insults and criticism at everyone else and you don't include yourself or put yourself first, 
people are going to have a beef with that, and I will guarantee you. I don't know that people will come out in Pittsburgh and say it. I don't think that they should because that's only adding fuel to the fire, and that's usually, you know, uh, Pittsburgh's known for that as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people that are beefing with what he said about them, certainly. I can't believe he got away with this, and I think he should take criticism for making these comments. It's one thing, even if he had played flawlessly, yeah. even if he hadn't thrown that interception, I still don't think he should have done don't, No need to do it. I have no problem if you go up to Antonio Brown after that interception. Maybe it was Antonio Brown's fault. You go up to him to the side, I don't even care if you yell at him. Say, right. man, what are you doing? You cost us the game privately or on the bench in a situation where the media's not there. No problem with that. Like That's what a leader would do. Correct. But after the game... You've got to say, because a quarterback, you have to realize what your role is. And it's a leader. Sometimes you have to take the brunt of everything on your shoulders. You know why? Because you always get the most praise and the most credit for when things go well. So why not own up to it when it's your fault? When it's, when it's somebody else's fault, you can take some of the, the stress off their shoulders totally. and say, Hey, it's on me. When you are the guy. So, uh, you know, my son, uh, and I'm trying to teach my two boys or my three boys how to play basketball, how to lead, you know, just trying to yeah. be a dad. Um, and so I, you know, when I talk to them about, and they'll ask me about different guys I played with. Were they, were they good? Did they lead? And, and so, you know, typically Steve Nash comes up because I play with Steve and Steve and I are buddies and they ask me about his leadership style. And I said, you know, the difference between Steve and any really, really good point guard and I'll, quarterbacks are the same. Um, and guys that I played with that were good, but they weren't great and they weren't great leaders like Steve is that if Steve threw you a ball and you missed a shot, even though that ball might have been perfectly placed, Steve would say, hey, man, my bad. I got yes. you next time. All the Big, time. Steve was good enough, secure enough to know that you didn't need any more pressure. Like, you didn't need to feel like you made the mistake. Guys that were insecure, and I played with a lot of them, even though they were really good, some of the best PGs in the NBA, not great leaders, they throw you that ball. That ball's off target. It's down by your feet. You can't do anything with it. You miss a layup. Come on, man. You got to make that play. Right. Now, guess what? I don't want to do with you anymore. Right. I don't want to play. I don't right. want to run with you. I think, you know, and so leadership styles are important. And again, if you put it on yourself, you know, you, people will follow you. If you're always saying it's somebody else, you're going to start losing people. At, well, it makes me wonder about Ben. It also makes me wonder about this locker room. They have thrived under adversity. They've, there's always been drama in the side, this locker room. And it's funny because they'd won six games in a row. All yeah. of a sudden I'm looking at them and say, Hey, maybe they're better than the Patriots even because their defense is playing better. They lose one game. And all of a sudden, they're at each other. Like, yeah. Ben's out there throwing dudes under the bus. And I guarantee you, like you're saying, I don't think anybody will come out and crush Ben in the media. No. But here's what's going to happen. Like, guys start whispering in the locker room. Well, it gets snarky now. Rolling their eyes whenever yeah. Ben's over there talking to the media. Because you'll see, like, a group of reporters around. And guys are like, there's Ben over there throwing us all under the bus again. Like, Correct. they'll remember this. And that's, like, do you really want to be remembered that way if you're Ben Roethlisberger? And I get it. You have you have earned that right. You've done incredible. You have an incredible career. Hall of Fame career. But be above it and do it the right way. There's a right and a wrong way to call it your teammates, and in the media, isn't one of them. It isn't. Uh, but Ben's done. Like, if I'm not mistaken, like this is his mo, right? Like, yeah. he very rarely is an accountable dude. Like, he's usually placing blame elsewhere, right? Yeah. And he's he always kind of been like, I think he's too flippant with the media. Like, yeah. he floated out the retirement that one time, and I think he gets a little bit cute. I mean, he self-diagnoses his injuries all the time. Which, right. again, these are things you're not supposed to feed to the media. You're not supposed to talk about your injuries, like to coaches. Medical staffs want to keep that stuff private, keep the other team guessing, and he's out there talking about it. Uh, all right, let's do some college football. Cause right. We have a monster weekend, Pac-12 championship on Friday night, Big 12 championship. We talked a little bit about that yesterday, but there's been some news um, that's been announced about this game specifically because you have Oklahoma-Texas. Right. Great historical rivalry in college football. Texas, we know what they do, right? Horns yeah. up. Yeah, hook them horns, horns, right? Hook them yep. horns. And you know what happens, what most teams do if they score on Texas or if they don't like Texas, they go horns down. Okay. Even now, me doing this, Texas fans are upset. 
Like they think that's an obscene gesture. Basically, really? what they, they they get emotional. Like I working get over with Matt Brown, working with the guys in Texas. True. All right. So how does that impact the game? Well, the Big Twelve came out and uh, actually made a statement and said that the horns down. Is it a 15-yard penalty? Well, they came out and said it's a judgment call for officials on Saturday what? during the championship game. If in the judgment of the on-field officials, any action by game participants deemed an unsportsmanlike act is subject to penalty in accordance with college football rules. Big 12 office tweeted uh, from its official account. West Virginia had two 15-yarders against them. That was the incredible game. Our boy Coca was there uh, in Austin throwing the uh, horns down. Um, so they've, they've done it before. This should never be, this should never it's be stupid. brought into the gameplay. It should never affect the outcome of a game. This is ridiculous. Absolutely. It shouldn't. And if you're, if you're the Big 12, I think you, I think that's the right tweet to say out there, to put out there. Say it's judgment call. Tell them don't call it. Exactly. Say if there is any, like, don't become the story of the game is a kid scores a potentially game winning touchdown, horns down, and you, you potentially flip well, the outcome of the game because of that. Like, that's absurd. I don't want to be like, like, and don't forget, here, college but like, football, if you do it, before, like, say, say David Sills catches one on the 40 and yeah. he's running in and he's on the 20, 10 and he goes horns down. Yeah. They're calling the touch, they're taking yeah. the touchdown off the board. Well, I tell that, I mean, look, that's ridiculous, but tell the kid, obviously, look, that's a rule, whether it's horns up or down. Like, don't, don't, don't make any right. gesture before you go in the end zone that could get that thing called back, right? Like, yep. any, because if you're doing any kind of peace signs and stuff like that in college football, aren't they penalizing you on those two? Well, yeah. If, if you're running in, it's taunting, right? Yes, which is stupid. But here's what I would say to if that. It's a middle finger, yes. That's yeah. an obscene gesture okay. that nobody wants to see while you're watching with their kids. It's a peace sign. Even if you point at them, Correct. I think it's a penalty. Um, let me, like, so what happens if you go, like, I don't know, horn sideways, like <laughs> Coca said, or like you do some kind of different horns down, like, and, and my question is, like, you're opening up Pandora's box for so much silly stuff. Like, University of Miami, let's, let's say, right? Yeah. We go, that, that's University of Miami, right? right? People start doing this. Those are more subject to 15 yard penalties. Supposedly. It's absurd. It is absurd. Yeah. I think the uh, the NCAA could go a long way if they just felt like look how successful the NFL allowing celebrations has been. Correct. The NFL started a Twitter handle and an Instagram account specifically just to air those like to to put those on video. Right. To put all the celebrations. I think let college football is even more of a celebration and kids like to have fun and they'd come up with some fun celebrations. It's become a thing. Oh. Like let them do it. Now again, I'll take this back to the Hurricanes because that was my favorite team. But my favorite thing in the world, maybe as a as a young guy in 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 sports, was to watch. Um, what was Lamar's last name? Lamar. Uh, oh, uh, what was Lamar? He wore thirty six. No, I know, but I, there's so many Lamars now. I can't forget. But I mean, I can't remember. But going into the end zone, <laughs> taking the helmet off, right? And and you know they banned that, but. I love the celebrations. Like I like to, and then you get to know who the college guys are. You get to see faces. You get to see personalities. It's too stuffy. Lamar Thomas. Lamar Thomas. Yeah, he was my dude that. too. Like, he played I know basketball. Him. He still lives down here. Played basketball in Miami too. Yeah. Um, he the one, he but yeah, I used to rip the helmet off and be in the end zone, dude. I used to lose my stuff. Lamar Thomas was the one who was broadcasting. Was he? He was doing a Miami FIU game. And there was a fight oh, on the field. on that call? And remember, he was like, I'm going to go down there and oh. take one. <laughs> and he got fired and, like, never got back into the broadcasting thing. So, clearly, that is too far. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it is one. Like, but he you was, take your helmet off. Yeah, you yeah. take the helmet off and run around and Barry Switzer, love it. Barry Switzer's comments on it might be my favorite. Uh, obviously, former Oklahoma head coach, so he might be a little bit impartial towards them. But he said, that's bull bleep. There you go. 
Uh, horns down is a part of the history of the game. It's a natural reaction. It's like someone gives you the finger, you give them the finger back, right? Correct. Well, if someone does a horns up, you do a horns down back at them. So yeah, if there, is there a double standard? Because I mean, if we let touch on that, we're, we're right. allowed to go horns up. Exactly. Same thing. All in my face. So you can horns up all in my face. Big 12 should be like, hey, no one's allowed to do anything. No horns. Stupid. Like, no horns. Dumb. That's Pandora's exactly. box. It's open. You've opened up yourself for all kind of stupidity. It's stupid. It's like where we are with sports today. Let the kids have some fun for sure. Uh, 12 o'clock noon, Big 12 championship, Oklahoma, Texas. Texas is a eight, round seven and a half, eight point underdog in that game. Okay. Depends on where you get your line. We like to use Westgate, I've been told. Um, Warriors, Raptors tonight. Yeah. No Steph. No Steph. Still yeah. out. Warriors getting a little bit better. Um, is, Raptors are favored by eight and a half. Yeah. Is Draymond, is Draymond, Draymond still in? out? Yeah. So that, that, the Raptors should be favored. Um, Raptors are a good solid team, man. They get a lot of production from a lot of people. Um, you know, obviously Kawhi's having a great season. You've got, um, a, a very deep team and typically like the knock is while they play 10, 11 guys now that you're not going to be able to do that in the postseason. I think they just might because all of these guys are at a level where they could participate in playoff games. Kyle Lowry is sneakily having like one of his best seasons minus DeMar DeRozan. I know they were buddy buddies and stuff like that, but Kyle seems to be flourishing kind of, you know, without him and his style of play there. So they're, they're dangerous. This doesn't mean much for the Warriors. I mean, without Draymond and Steph, but, but for Toronto, yeah, dude, you want to get every win you can for a team that's trying to prove, you know, that they can win a championship. Any win against a good team with or without a star, you can't even factor that in. You need that win. Definitely. I think, would you take this team seven to one to win the title as a value play? I mean, they're the second best odds. Yeah. How much am I betting? <laughs> Let's say a hundred dollars. Yeah. hundred dollars is always a safe number to yeah. throw out there. Yeah, like, I throw hundred dollars. Crazy with you. I throw hundred dollars. Yeah. I throw hundred dollars on most things though. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. I take the Lakers at 25 to one for a hundred dollars. But all right. So here's the question for yeah. you. What, what, like, what do you think the value is there? Where would you rather see it hit? Like, do you think you would rather take the chance of winning twenty five hundred or rather seven hundred on the Raptors? No, I take I take the. Which one do you think is a safer bet? Obviously, the Raptors. Um, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think the Warriors are like I take the Lakers at, at twenty five to one. I try the Sixers to at fourteen to one. That'd be my spot, right? That's now. not bad. That's yeah. not bad. You like that one. The Rockets are the Rockets are looking. Bad, like those numbers. These numbers fluctuate. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, those yeah. numbers, for, if you use sure. the right, but a lot of them do project into how they're going to finish. Okay. So, but they're definitely still. Long. Did I say fluctuate? Yeah, that's a word. Wait, what? Fluctuate? Yeah, fluctuate. This <laughs> sounds it. weird. <laughs> All right, it's fluctuate. Our man uh, Emery Jesus. Hunt over the past month, fifteen five and one. Light it up, Emery. The spread fluctuate, bro. Get him in here next, and he's going to pick Drake at Iowa State. But he's also going to give you some of the uh, what. Too. Yeah, he's where we dive deep with Emery. Coming up next on Off the Bench. Alright, let's get our guy Emery Hunt in here because he has been killing it against the spread. Mentioned in the past month, 15, 5, and 1. His overall yeah. record with us, 30, 21, and 3. That's phenomenal. Emery, what's up, my man? Make sure you follow him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan on Twitter. He's the founder and analyst at Football Game Plan. What's up, man? How we doing? Cooler, man. Glad to be on back with you guys. We had a little break last week. Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's start it off because this is what I like about your picks. You dig a little deeper and you find those edges that a lot of people might not be aware of. So we got Drake, second the Pioneer League. That's the research I did. Pioneer League, Second huh? the Pioneer League right, right now. They're a 42-and-a-half-point dog on the road playing against Iowa State. It's a big number, huge number. Who do you like? 
Well, here's why I like Iowa State in this ball game. One, because it's against a non-scholarship Drake football team. That's really good. And the reason why I chose this game is because I love the quarterback of Drake. He's a senior, Grant Kramer, an NFL draft prospect. Keep an eye on him. But this game was supposed to be Incarnate Word, which is a much better matchup. But Incarnate Word made the playoffs. Now they get to reschedule and get uh, Drake on a schedule. So Iowa State should roll in this one big. Um, all right, let's move on to Marshall at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech favored by three and a half. They had to add this game as a makeup uh, to try to become bowl eligible after the game that they lost. Do you think that's enough motivation for them to cover the number, or do you think Marshall could sneak them? I think Marshall can sneak them because you look at all the emotion and everything that went into that game last week against Virginia, the win that got this game back on the schedule. But when you look at the reality of it, Marshall is just a much better football team and won't have the mistakes in crucial situations like we saw Virginia have against Tech. So take Marshall and the points in this one. Oh, boy. If Marshall actually beats Virginia Tech, watch out, man. Blacksburg's going to be there, gonna be burning stuff down there if that happens. That's been a rough year for them for sure. All right, let's move on to the SEC championship game. We've seen Bama, historically great season. They've beat every opponent in the regular season by 20 points. Two is lighting them up. Georgia, 13.5-point underdogs. Really interesting number. Who do you like in this one? You guys can understand this reference. You never win a fight if you're afraid to get hit. And I think Georgia is not afraid to get hit. They do the one thing that I like that teams are afraid to do against Bama. They throw deep against Bama. And I think because of that, because of the way they can match up in the secondary and also affect the pocket, this game will be a lot closer than what people think. So take Georgia in the points in this ballgame. The Bulldogs won't be afraid to go toe-to-toe with Bama. Okay, let's move on to the NFL. You got the Bears minus four and a half at the Giants. Uh, Bears with a little bit of extra Rex after the Thanksgiving game. Chase Daniel reportedly starting again. Trubisky out. What's it look like? This is going to be a big game for the Bears. I think they win this one. So lay the points with Chicago. This is the matchup here. Bears pressure versus Eli Manning. Take the Bears all day long. All right, we saw a little bit of controversy in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield calling out Hugh Jackson. He hasn't backed down, said he's not apologizing. He's actually been playing lights out. They're on the road against probably the hottest team in the NFL and the Texans. They got this eight-game win streak. We think the streak ends. Do you think the Browns uh, at least cover this one? They're a six-point dog. I like the Texans in this ballgame. This one, again, it's, it's going to be about Baker Mayfield versus that pressure of the Houston Texans that now has J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney playing phenomenal football. And it's a lot easier to talk trash against the Bengals. It's a different animal when you have to talk trash against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. Plus, the offense of the Texans is playing light time right now. So lay all the points with Houston in this ballgame. All right, good stuff. Rumor has it we might see you down here in studio sometime soon. Let's make it happen, all right? Get get a seat warm. Get that middle seat warm for me. <laughs> all right, you got it. Thanks, Emery. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, let's do some college football because yeah. there has been this has been that time of year where we see coaches fired, mm-hmm. coaches hired, and we also see coaches try to be lured away from pretty good jobs. Right, that's the situation that John, Jeff Brom found himself in as school where he played, Louisville, grew up. It's his yeah. hometown. Everybody assumed it. Believe there was one even prominent basketball analyst that reported it was going to happen. Right, does not come to fruition. Purdue announces they have. Uh, reached an agreement on a little contract extension for him. He is going to return to Purdue, not go back to Louisville. Right. Louisville fans are out of their minds right now, which is a little, like, it's stupid, first of all. Like, come on, like, get a grip on reality. Like, a guy's got to do what's best for him. Correct. For his family. Correct. Um, I think it is an interesting conversation. What is a better job? I think it's Louisville, and it's not even close. But he has built something that he's kind of trying to get to in just a few years at Purdue – 
And so he's staying with Purdue. And also $6 million helps too. Yeah, I mean, it's what did he say, Purdue? Uh, Louisville offered Brom $35 million over seven years. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so I'm just going to ask you, when you said l- Lauren away from good jobs, do you consider Purdue that good of a football job? Now, I'm not – this isn't no, shade. I just no. don't know enough no, about not. Purdue. It's not. It'll always be in the bottom – I don't want to say the bottom tier, the bottom half of the Big Ten, no matter what side you play on, right? Because they're in the better division in the Big Ten West where you don't have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, those guys to go against with, the powerhouses. You only have to get through Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Illinois to get to your, you know, to win your division. Correct. But I still don't think you're ever going to be in that top seven, top six programs in the Big Ten. And I think with Louisville, you could have elevated yourself much faster to a top three or top four because I don't think you're ever going to get over Clemson, obviously. Right. Florida State is seen vulnerable. Miami's vulnerable. So you might be able to catch those teams faster than you would catch Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because that's home. And, you know, you're talking about $5 million a year versus $6 million a year. Um, you know, I'm a guy that usually, you know, I've – Make no mistakes about if, if we're comparing apples to orange, oranges financially, you know, that it's a no brainer. I'm going with whichever one is more lucrative. Um, but this one is really close, you know, and yeah. so you're talking about going home and you're talking about leaving a program that's not traditionally a power going to somewhere like the facilities and stuff at Louisville are they're like, they're, they're well, phenomenal, they, right? But like they are, but Purdue just, but because all this TV money from the Big Ten network yeah. has been flushed into the Big Ten, so Purdue actually has okay. nice facilities now. So, and he's there six and six in his second year, twenty fourth ranked recruiting class lined up coming into Purdue. So maybe look, man, million dollars a year more plus incentives. Uh, you got it rolling. You got new facilities. You got the team starting to reflect, you know, your personality and the way you want to play. And you got the recruits lined up. Like I hear you, man. So I would say. I actually like this. I like when a coach chooses to stay. Mm-hmm. Like I like maybe he has relationships with the players yeah. on that team and he's like, you know what? It's only been two years. I've told these guys. I've recruited guys. I want to keep them. You know, I want to stay with them. He's, he's, he's bringing in another class that's ranked 24th overall. So maybe it's a personal decision. He's like, all money aside, which I know people think a hard, that's hard to fathom. Right. Maybe it is a better situation for him. He doesn't want to start over and go to another place and have to re-recruit. No. And try to get guys from Purdue to join him and all the stuff that goes on. Maybe he just wants to be, have some stability. Like, I don't think people even consider like what's going on with his kids. Maybe right. the kids are in school in Absolutely. West Lafayette and they're happy. And he's like, you know what? I don't want to go back to Louisville. Those are all great points. Um, you know, I hadn't factored in that personal no, side of like it. Like no we, one ever does. No, we yeah. forget too. Sometimes. Yeah. So I think that comes into play for sure. It ha- look, it happened to me a few months ago, right? Like I told you about a school down here, right? Like I work at one like public school helping out with their basketball team and I had a, a private ask me to come over and run their program and I had made some promises to some high school seniors and that's a hard thing though. Like, right. Right. Like obviously the private school situation was really cool, but you know, it's hard to, to, to go back on a word that you've made to a parent and a kid. And that's just at the high school level, let alone a guy you're going to have four years uh, and try to shape him and mold him into a young man. You know what I mean? So I kind of respect Bottom it. line is everybody has different circumstances they consider. Yeah. Sometimes the money is, you know, maybe a guy doesn't have a first contract. Maybe he wants to stay, take care of his family, so he bounces. Sure. Um, in any case, if you're Louisville and you – Louisville currently has the 80th uh, recruiting class, so obviously yeah. not a lot of talent coming <laughs> in. But if you're Louisville, stock. Where I think they need to be careful because at his old high school, they had threats like somebody at his old high school, um, which is ridiculous. You're idiot. But – there's a chance. Purdue, what if he flails around there for two or three years? Or if he has success 
and Louisville hires somebody, it doesn't work out. He could always go back to Correct. Louisville. But if, what do you think he went through his mind? Like, you think he wants to go back to a program that treated him like this just because he made a decision to stay at a job that he was having some success at? Yes. It's ridiculous. So I would be careful what you watch for uh, Louisville because you might be ruining any chance to ever get him. Um, big news from the ACC as Paul Johnson has been at Georgia Tech. He's had an incredible amount of success. I think he might be one of the most underrated coaches in college football. Right. 11 years with Georgia Tech. He's been in nine bowl games. Um, he's fourth among active coaches in wins with 189, but I think he gets knocked a lot for two reasons. One, his personality. He's a little grouchy. He doesn't exactly, you know, he's not, he's not a media favorite, so right. to speak. Although that's a great photo we found. Yeah. Him. He looks like the <laughs> nicest guy around. I actually like him. He's a really good golfer, in case you didn't know that. I did not. Um, but also because they run the triple option at a power five school, I don't think it's very sexy. It doesn't really generate a ton of big stats, so people just kind of forget about you, but, He's shown the ability to knock off SEC heavyweights. He's gone with other Power 5 conferences and got big wins. Yep. But I think that does present some challenges for Georgia Tech in their coaching search now because it's going to be a massive transition from Georgia Tech, from from the triple option that he's running, to if they potentially hire a guy like Ken Wisenhunt, who's been I, rumored with an NFL scheme. The guy prior to him, did he run the triple option there? I feel like Georgia Tech's always run some. It does. Like, I'm going back to when I played against yeah. them. They did have some version of it. Uh, I don't, because they had George O'Leary there for a while. I don't think he was running the triple option, but they've had different versions of it. But no matter what, like 11 years mm. is a long time. That's a long that's time. That's a lot of recruiting classes. Yeah, so, there is nobody there that's thinking they were going to Georgia Tech to do anything but run the triple so option. So what were the, the, the names? What was the guy in Navy you said? So Ken, Ken Niamatololo. Yeah. Is the Navy head coach. All right. Um, Jeff Munkin is the head coach at Army. I, those are some of the two dudes I call. Those are seamless transitions. Yes. Otherwise, if you're Georgia Tech, you've got to be saying, whoever we bring in here, we're giving you five years. Like, do you know, I am giving you five because nothing that we have on this roster can we anticipate will work in what you're trying to do. Now, some of it may. Right. But we have to factor in the potential that none of it works and you've got to go out and get recruiting classes that will start to mature. Chargers offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt, because he played at Georgia Tech, he's expected to be a top candidate. What's the most important position in football? Quarterback, right? Defensive back. (laughs) (laughs) Quarterback, right? right, right. If you've had these guys that are lined up, a triple option quarterback does not throws it five times a game. Correct. I mean, Georgia Tech is literally a running back. Four times. It's a running back that can can throw. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe throw. Right. You have to go find not one, because what if he gets hurt or he's not that good? You have to find multiple quarterbacks that come in that can run a different style of system. Yeah. Now they're out there. You can do it, but the good ones are pretty much shored up. I mean, guys are committing earlier than ever. Of course. That's going to present a challenge. So that could set you behind. So I think if I'm Georgia Tech, the problem is I think they want to get away from the triple. Do you? Because that was going to be my next question. I think they want to get away from it. I think it's hard to sell for fan bases. I think you look at it as an antiquated offense and today's spread, no huddle. Let's put up big numbers. Right. I think Georgia Tech wants to go with a totally different style. I just hope they know what they're in for when they do that. It's going to be a rough. Some some lean years. It's going to be a rough uh, process for sure. All right. We got to get our guy Will Brinson in here next. He's going to help us break down the NFL weekend. Cowboys, Saints, a lot of people like the Saints in this one. Seven and a half point favorite. We'll find out who he likes. And Eli Manning, is he back in 2019? Maybe. We'll see. That's coming up next on Off the Bench. All right. Welcome back Off the Bench. Let's do some NFL talk with our guy Will Brinson. He's our CBS Sports senior NFL writer. He's the host of Pick 6 uh, podcast. You can check that out. It's Daily NFL. These guys do a great job. Follow him on Twitter, at Will Brinson. What's up, Will? How are we doing today? What's up, guys? Doing well. Just hoping that uh, CVS drags my old bones out for 2019. 
<laughs> there you go. Well, let's start right there since you went there. Because Eli Manning, there was a report out today that maybe the Giants are considering him for 2019. I have been warning Giants fans about this because if you were Dave Gettleman and last year you thought, hey, all we need to do is give Eli Manning the pieces around him, give him an offensive line, shore up Odell Beckham, let's draft this, you know, game changing running back in Saquon Barkley. If you believe that when he was 37, like why would it, you probably had a two year plan in place if you were decided to pass on the quarterback. So I've been trying to warn Giants fans. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're saying, well, let's just fix some of the problems around him. We still think he can do it. And it looks like this might be the option that they're going to go with, which I think is kind of scary when you think about it. <laughs> it's terrifying. And here's the thing, guys, the, the Giants are three and eight and people are sort of they're like, hey, you know what? The Giants aren't that terrible. They won. They beat the 49ers and the Buccaneers. And then they almost, they like didn't, they covered against the Eagles. They didn't get blown out. Maybe, maybe things are starting to click and Eli has been playing better. I'll give him that. Um, you know, he's had a nice little stretch of games, but these are, these are not good football teams they're playing against. This is a three and eight team in the worst division in football with the worst record. They're hurtling towards a, a an early round pick. And, and if Saquon Barkley wasn't one of the top two candidates along with Baker Mayfield for offensive rookie of the year, uh, this would be, this would be hail. Like Dave Gettleman might be fired because Saquon's been great. He's looked awesome. But the fact that there are other, these other quarterbacks have performed so well, or at least you know, have looked like they've looked apart. Sam Donald's been banged up, but he showed, he flashed. I think Josh Rosen has flashed enough for me to believe he can work. And Baker Mayfield, they didn't have a chance to draft, but he's been great. Josh Allen's won some games for the Bills. I mean, it's clear when you look at Eli Manning that he is too old to be doing this anymore. And yet, the Giants came into this idea like, oh, we can just get a quarterback in next year's draft class. That's not how it works. You don't you don't just get a free layup on quarterbacks. When you look at the guys in this coming draft class, Justin Herbert was the savior, I guess, and there are questions about whether he can be that good. Um, he's probably going to go back to Oregon. And so your best option is going to be like Daniel Jones out of Duke. And I like Daniel Jones, and that's fine. Or Ryan Finley out of NC State. And I love Ryan Finley, but I'm going to tell you what. If you lay, if you put all your eggs in the Ryan Finley or Daniel Jones basket, then you're going to end up with a bunch of cracked eggs because you can't put them behind that Giants offensive line and expect to succeed in 2019. And it's just a flawed plan that's been put in place, and it's backfiring in the Giants badly. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting if they do that too, because that's kind of been their plan the last five or six years. Because I don't think you would have to get those guys as first round picks. You can probably get Finley or Jones maybe in the second or third round, which is what they've been doing with Laletta, with the kid from Cal. Like they're just taking these flyers, which is why they're in this problem because they didn't shore it up uh, in the first place. Let me ask you a question about Eli Manning, because I don't think he's that much different than Joe Flacco. Like if you put the right pieces around him and you give a good defense, I think he can get hot and he can get you to the Super Bowl. And obviously Eli has the two Super Bowl wins. Flacco has one. But I don't think there's that much difference when you look at them as far as quarterbacks. And that's not a good thing for Eli. Yeah, okay. I was making sure you weren't throwing Eli a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, it's not a compliment. Like, here's the thing. If, Eli's, if Eli Manning's last name was Smith or Flacco, I don't think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. When you look at his stats over the history of his career, he hasn't been that great in the regular season. In fact, he's been just average. I mean, Joe Flacco's never led the league in a single meaningful passing category, right? Eli Manning has, and it's interceptions. That's not a good thing. He, he, you know, he's had a couple of good regular season years, and that's about it. But then he has these two playoff runs bolstered by a great pass rush, bolstered by signature memorable catches by Mario Manningham, uh, and of course, David Tyree with the, the 
helmet catch. And both of the Super Bowl wins came against the Patriots. That helps a lot, too. So to me, the legacy for Eli Manning has been built a lot more because of his name, because of the way he made those playoff runs, uh, because of you know who he beat. And, and things that aren't necessarily about being the best quarterback. I think if you ranked who's the best quarterback, like the best player out of the 2004 draft class, you'd start with Phillip Rivers, then Ben Roethlisberger, then Eli Manning. But if you go with who's got the, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame first, Ben Roethlisberger has the best, best resume. And then I think Eli Manning is more of a sure thing for Hall of Fame voters over Phillip Rivers because of his name value and because of his Super Bowl wins over the Patriots. And, and so it's great. Eli can get hot for stretches, but he's not a great quarterback. Well, let's talk about the game that's going to be played tonight. We got the Cowboys and the Saints. Saints start a three-game road trip. Um, no one's really been able to even come close to them for a while now, except the Rams. Do you think the Cowboys have a chance tonight? I mean, I, I probably should be more enthusiastic about the Cowboys. Here, here's, here's my problem, and I'm look. This is stupid of me. I'm late to the party. Uh, I got run over by the Saints like five weeks in a row picking against them against the spread, and then I finally flipped, and they, they they're still covering. Like they just won't stop covering. This is an inflated line, you know, they're, they're, they're minus seven and a half at Dallas. But you look at their offense, and they just they don't care. They'll keep they'll keep running up the score against teams, and they come up, and I love it. They come up with these like petty reasons to be spiteful. And I'll tell you what, two up here for the Saints that I would worry about if I was the Cowboys. One, Sean Payton used to coach in Dallas, which doesn't really mean that much, but you could see him being like, oh, like they should have given, they should have hired me instead of Jason Garrett or, or like they should have tried to hire me away and they didn't or trade for me when I was down and out. I could see him being spiteful. And two, don't forget that in 2009, when the Saints last, when the Saints won their only Super Bowl with Drew Brees and Sean Payton, they actually lost their undefeated season to the Cowboys and Tony Romo in Dallas. And so I could see them being spiteful about that. I'm not sure that the matchup for the Cowboys is great because you, you have, when you look at the Cowboys offense, they, they like to run the ball with Zeke Elliott. The Saints are actually really good against the run. Cameron Jordan's playing his tail off right now. Sheldon Rankins has a, quietly emerged as a really outstanding defensive player. Remember, he missed his rookie year, but he's been great defensively on that, on that on that line. They have pretty good linebackers. And then I think Marshawn Lattimore is capable of matching up in a one-on-one situation with Amari Cooper and, and keeping him from having those jailbreak short passes that he's been building up. Dak's been a lot better. You know, look at those stats. I mean, a lot better uh, since Amari Cooper came over. And Zeke Elliott's been rolling. But I think the Saints defense is a bad matchup. And I'm not sure that this Cowboys defense is going to be a great matchup for the Saints because nobody's a great matchup for the Saints. One stat that you have to watch for, because I think you can do it every day. If you come in and you just show me the box score and not the score, if Ezekiel Elliott runs over 100 yards, the Cowboys are going to win. I think like I just look at it because, and then you ask Dak Prescott to throw it like 25 times. Don't do too much. Maybe a touchdown or two. No interceptions. Just don't screw it up. If they can stop Ezekiel Elliott, then you kind of have a chance for success and put it on Dak Prescott's back. So I think it's funny too, because like, uh, three weeks ago, we were all ready to fire Jason Garrett. We were ready to say Dak Prescott's done. Jerry Jones is quite, Tori Aikman's out there questioning, saying they need a complete overhaul. Is that all completely gone, or is this the type of game where if the Saints win and they win by two touchdowns or more, are the Cowboys right back where they were three weeks ago? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And look, like we're currently, we went from everybody's fired, uh, Amari Cooper, worst trade ever, to okay, Jason Garrett's getting an extension, Zeke Elliott's getting an extension, Dak Prescott's getting a new contract, Amari Cooper's like everybody, like you get a you get a contract, you get a contract, <laughs> Oprah style. Um, and I don't think that this game is the one that totally flips it back, even if they get blown out. But you have to look at these next three games 
if the Cowboys, the Cowboys have to win the division. Losing this division, given where they are right now and where they came from and what's happened with the Redskins, with Alex Smith getting hurt, how bad, how bad the Eagles look, how terrible the Giants and Eli are. If the Cowboys weren't to win this division and, and to come away as NFC East champions, I think that Jason Garrett would be in a lot of trouble because they have a clear cut advantage. They have the players. They have the personnel. And if you look at the next three weeks, they get the Saints, Eagles, and Colts. And those are three, if they're not playoff teams, they're dangerous teams. And the Eagles will have one shot to get back in it. And I think that the Cowboys need to go 2-1 and one in that stretch, and they'll end up winning the division. If they go 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh uh, watch out. We will, we will take a 180 and head right back to uh, everybody's fired land. Yeah, no doubt. Should be an interesting few weeks for the Cowboys. Uh, thanks for joining us, Well, Appreciate it. Always fun, guys. Have a great day. So we all know that Kawhi Leonard doesn't do things like every other NBA player. And now that includes his sneaker game. I know you guys heard about this one already, so I've got to get your opinion on it. The Toronto Raptors superstar will sign with New Balance as the company looks to reestablish itself in the basketball market. The Ford was previously signed with the Jordan brand before his deal expired this year. So you guys know I have like four pairs of New Balances, right? I love them. But are you on board with this? I like New Balance old school runners. Yeah. Like those are cool to throw on every now and again. But as a basketball shoe, I don't even know where you could buy one. Like, <laughs> right. I don't. That's I don't. good. But that's why they're going to bring him in to create a basketball brand. That's what Nike did with Jordan. Like I think they're hoping he could be their nah, Jordan. Steph Curry nah, with Under Armour. They nah, didn't have any basketball. Nah, we did this with Puma him. before. Um, no, like Puma, the one thing just, Puma, no. the one, no. no, the one thing Puma had going for them though, was they were always like a, a like a culturally relevant shoe, right? Like, yeah. you, had, you know, Old their, their iconic shoe, like New Balance, the market is like my granddad <laughs> and, and like, yeah, ten. like people in Long Island wearing with jeans and white socks. Like, <laughs> I know, I don't think so. I think wise. Well, and I texted back to, I love Long Island, by the way. I do. The group text, which you never reply to. I texted back, I would wear Ruse. Remember those gang? No doubt. If you paid me the right amount of money. So I, I had Ruse. in Kauai. Ruse like, were the best because you could put your money in them on yes, the side. Of the yeah. See that? No, I'm with I you though. Whatever I, the money is. If the but money's I don't right. Think, for New Balance's sake, like if they're thinking this is going to elevate them, then I'm with you. I don't think it's going to elevate them into the conversation. Yeah. All jokes aside, dude, I don't know what I'm, um, like, Jordan Brand was paying him versus what New Balance is paying him. If the check's right, yeah, you're right. gonna wear the shoe, provided it, it's comfortable and they're probably gonna mold it to his foot. But sure. generally speaking, New Balance and basketball, I'm like, nah, yeah, I'll give him the horns down. <laughs> I'm the only one totally on board for this. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, so staying with the shoe game a little bit, you guys remember Alex English, the retired NBA player who was most recently an assistant coach with the Kings. He played for the Nuggets from 1980 to 1990, and he proved on Twitter that he can still pull off that Denver swag. He posted on Twitter saying, quote, I am a power forward now in my second Denver Nugget life. Sporting hashtag the return of the rainbow. Y'all see the shoes, though? Oh, By the way, the cold Air Force Ones. His, right? His playing weight was listed at 190 pounds. Now he's saying that he would be a power forward. So what do you guys think about this all-out city edition look? Those are dope. I love it. Yeah, I, I love the old school Denver uh jerseys there. Yeah. I like them. Kiki Vandaway. Kiki Vandaway. Yeah, remember that? Him rocking <laughs> those jerseys. I think they look pretty sweet. I got beef with Kiki Vandaway. You do? I'm trying to think. I think he was in the league off. <laughs> yeah, he was. I think he yeah. still is. I think he fined me a few times. Yeah, I'm not going to co-sign <laughs> Kiki Vandaway, but I like the unis. <laughs> 
All right, this last story is interesting. I'm going to go ahead and apologize ahead of time for ending on such a weird note here, guys. So Irish soccer fans received some sad news over the weekend when they learned that Fernando Nuno La Fuente had died in a car accident. According to reports, his club had told the league that he died, when in reality, he had just traveled back to his native Spain. Apparently, the club wanted to fake the death of one of their own so that they could postpone a match on Saturday when they had trouble finding enough players. So, of course, the league believed the news because who would want to question that and canceled the match. They even had a moment of silence before other league matches. But meanwhile, La Fuente wasn't aware of the news himself. He said, quote, I was just playing some video games and suddenly I got a call from work <laughs> and they said, you're a celebrity. That's how I found out I was dead. I'm the dead. team issued a statement to apologize on Facebook. And then the league is now possibly discussing some punishments for the club. So Danny and Raja, I'm speechless on this one. What do you guys have to say? I mean, there's some things you do to get out of a game, right? Like Bull Durham, they they went out and they famously like put on the sprinklers because they didn't want to play the game the next right. day, which is like that's cool, right? That's okay, but faking a dude's death and the guy like, didn't even tell the guy like he even know about it. Um, like this is kind of up there with the Manti Teo like fake girlfriend that he didn't know about. Like could be the like, dumbest thing I've stuff. ever heard. <laughs> it, it I've heard is. some dumb stuff. I got I got four kids under the age of eleven. I hear dumb stuff all the time. This is the dumbest it's thing I've ever heard. Whoever came up with this idea is ridiculous. Um. And they should be kicked out of their league. Boom, done. There you go. There's done. the punishment. That's ridiculous. Right That's absurd. I agree with that. When they had, they posted that long apology on Facebook. I didn't even bother reading any of it Stop. because I don't think How it matters. How could the dude right? not notice Stop. like Stop. sooner? <laughs> How come he wouldn't know right away? That's my question. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. All right, that's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up next, Danny and Raja run through some of today's leftovers. Come on back to Off the Bench. All right, welcome back. Leftovers Shaft Edition with the brown leather jacket looking pretty tight. What camera? Now, are you yeah. trying to rock the Samuel L. Jackson shaft or the original Richard Roundtree? I've not, I've not seen either one of those. <laughs> I, don't I have no idea. I actually don't think I have either. Like, I remember as a kid, like, you know, really young, like, seeing Shaft and, like, I wasn't allowed to watch yeah. it. Yeah, like, heard the song. Show. Yeah. yeah. Shaft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, so, yeah, we're doing our, our Leftovers version because we got a throwback version of our own because yeah. Al Corver returns to Utah Via trade, the uh, Cavs have traded him uh, for Alec Burks yep. and two future second round picks. Uh, Corver's second stop in Utah, where he played from 2007 2010. He's now got 16 NBA seasons. Yeah, Kyle's still different. doing it, man. Still shooting it really well too. Yep. Um, look, the Cavs are just—I uh, don't know. Like, well, I don't know what Kobe's doing. They're just—they're—they're cl- they're, they're cleaning they? house. Yeah. I mean, they were gonna t- listen. I love Kyle. Kyle's a really good player, and it'll probably help Utah. Um, there he is getting one in the face, though. Take that. Oh, yeah. look at that. Are you sure he didn't block that? It's a bullet to the eye right there. <laughs> no, um, but uh, you could still tank with Kyle. Look, I think it's, they probably did Kyle a favor. Nobody wants to be in a place, if you're a vet like Kyle Korver, who's done as much as Kyle's done, still got some tread on the tire. You're used to winning. You don't want to be in Cleveland while they're doing what they're about to do. And so this is probably a favor to Kyle. It also helps Utah, and then they get a f- uh, couple picks. And Alec Burks is a decent player, though. He can he'll score a lot of points in in uh, Cleveland. It totally makes sense for Kyle Korver. I think I'd be doing jumping. I'd be celebrating. Yeah, right be excited. Get out of this toxic place and help this team. And they love him. They and like he is. They love him in Thank Utah. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, bro. I, mean, I didn't say it. They love Kyle. Of course, they love yeah. Kyle out there in uh, Utah. So <laughs> let's see if he can go out there and have, continue to have some success out there. All right, we talked a little bit about Georgia Tech recruiting. Your Miami Hurricanes. Uh-huh. Need of a quarterback, right? Nicosi yeah. Perry's not exactly developing the way we thought. It's been a back and forth, you know, a quarterback carousel. Yeah. So you're like, what does the future hold? Where are we going? Mark Rick, quarterback guru. Yeah, his nephew, yep. bro. 
Get his that's, nephew that's, in there, right? Like, you don't even have to think about that. That's a layup. Not even a layup. That's a dunk. So it will not be his nephew, one Max Johnson, son of Brad Johnson, who yeah. is married to Mark Rick's sister. Okay. So that makes Max Johnson Mark Rick's nephew. Like, so yeah. he is not going there. He has chosen to go to LSU. I don't oh, think this is a big deal at all. What are you talking about? I think every kid has to go make a decision based on what he feels comfortable. I don't think you should do it for family reasons. Maybe he says, maybe there's an aspect of him that says, I don't want to get accused of nepotism because I'm going to get favorable treatment if I'm playing for my uncle. Maybe he says, I want to make a name for myself and go somewhere kid, else. I think a kid can think that deep into I it. I do. No, you do not. I absolutely You cannot. Do. You are in, listen. This kid's if, Instagram message is way beyond his if your, maturity. If your uncle was the head coach at, at Florida, and he was the, and, and you're, no, what, that would be, I ain't going to Florida. That's for dang sure. Nah, Cause now you have this affiliation, <laughs> but I'm, my point is, man, I'm taking every advantage I can get as a 17 year old. My, my uncle's the head coach. I'll be a hurricane. Well, what if you thought one program was now that's a little better? That, it success. speaks more to like where we are as a hurricane, like nation right now. Right. Like we're like, I think there's but a lot of uncertainty. A freshman, correct? Correction. Freshman, right? Mm, sophomore, I believe. Did they, did he retain his red shirt year? year uh, he well, might be, yeah, he's probably a freshman. He's freshman. Younger, right? Freshman, yep. Joe Burrow is going to finish up his next year. Then he's probably going to leave. Correct. So 2020, if you start looking for the future, I think too, you have to start looking at the recruiting ranks, like who else is committed. That's true. Miami quarterback, maybe he's like, Hey, I don't want to have to go wait a few years. Yeah. LSU, see, Miami's always been known as quarterback you, like you, you know, like hadn't been in the last decade, but they've had mm. a lot of great quarterbacks. LSU, not exactly a launderist of great quarterbacks. If True. you go there and you help elevate them to the next level in the SEC and you beat Bama and you become like you the savior. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe that's what motivates them. No, I mean, all jokes aside, it's a better, it's a better opportunity. Like you're going to get better talent. Like seriously, LSU is like Miami gets really good talent, but you're talking about a, you know, it's a private school and there's some challenges there. You're talking about LSU's a state, you know, school there in Louisiana where the talent is. Just as good as, as the Florida talent, you know, you're, and you're in the SEC. Like, I, I hear you, brother. It yeah, just sucks did, for Miami. On his Instagram, he did thank his uncle, Mark Rick, for believing in me and offering me my first scholarship. So he did give him some credit there for Yay. sure. Uh, tonight's game. Hey, you know what, Mark Rick? Develop a quarterback. Let's do so that. Maybe he will. Give him some time. Everybody, all these hurricane fans are like, yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. Uh, I'm ready to fire Mark. Rick. I'm not ready to fire him. I'm all not right, trying good. to fire him. I'm just saying develop us quarterback. Let's get one. All right. They will. Uh, tonight's game. Saints, Cowboys. Saints are a seven and a half point favorite. I feel like all the public money's on the Saints because they've been so good mm -hmm. against the spread. Who do you like in this one? This is a no brainer. Who are you going with? The Saints. You're taking the Saints and the, you're seven and a half? half. Yeah, you I'm taking they that. cover. Absolutely. I'm going to rock with the Cowboys because yeah. I think the Cowboys are hot. I think the Saints still win. Yeah. But at some point, like I'm telling you, I go to that first thing of the public money. I'm going against the public, but I also go look at it as the uh, roulette table. Mm -hmm. When it's happened all those times and let's see all those black, 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 I'm going red. Yeah. It's got bound to come up next the next time. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's That's some, pretty scientific. There's some logic. But I that. do think. That the Cowboys three game win streak is a little bit, um, fraudulent when you consider that. Yeah, because of yeah. the teams they have beaten. And I think that the Saints will we talk about the game plan. I think they will be able to keep Ezekiel Elliott in check, which will put more pressure on Dak Prescott. And if you have to get into a shootout, cause I think the Saints are going to score. This is right? like, this is like Memphis from a few years ago when they had like Pau Gasol and Randolph and Michael Conley was healthy and they were really, really, really good unless they played a team that could score a bunch of points. And then it didn't matter how good they were because they could not manufacture that many points. I feel like that against Dallas. I mean, Dallas against the Saints. They could be great, the best version of themselves. But they're going to score so many points that it's probably not going to be enough. And I'm confident in that because, like Willie Brinson said, they can be really petty and they just keep running the ball. <laughs> yes. They just and keep don't forget, scoring. Demarcus Lawrence was out there talking trash. To yeah, them. oh, Payton's going to run that, and he's going to be and he's going to be running his mouth throughout yep. the game as well. But I do think you look at they beat the Eagles. 
trash. Sorry, Debo. Uh, Falcons, trash. <laughs> and they beat the Redskins with Colt McCoy, trash. Correct. Uh, and, but I do, I actually like the fact that Amari Cooper has some success. No. That first round pick they gave up looks totally worth it. So. Dude, good for them. Yeah. Um, why they cover. Yeah, good for them. I, I'll take that. Uh, they're not going to cover stop. <laughs> what are our rankings? I need to know what our rankings are. <laughs> All right, we'll get, no, those things <laughs> I are need to, done. Need we don't put up our like picks anymore. Updated version. Bad.